welcome to the Think Kingdom podcast. I am Marcus Loney, the Creative Arts Director here at Think Kingdom. We have another message that is leading up to Resurrection Day, and it is called Driven by Eternity. So let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's Word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. Now, we have, the, we have the benefit of history on our side as it relates to what this, this week means to us. Um, but the problem with knowing uh, what history says about this week, uh, we have a tendency to make this week uh, familiar, uh, too familiar. And although there's comfort uh, in the familiar, uh, with familiarity uh, comes the danger of something extraordinary becoming ordinary. And so we're... We, we, if you grew up in the church like I did, uh, Palm Sunday, in a traditional sense, we will have uh, the palm branches and we'll be waving them. We will be singing songs, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then next year we'll do the same thing. And over time, um, something that was extraordinary has a tendency to become ordinary because we, we, so, we become so familiar with it, it becomes um, like nostalgia. Uh, we, one week before Easter, I remember growing up as a kid, a white uh, suit with a turquoise uh, shirt with uh, turquoise shoes. Y'all don't hear me. That's, that's what my mom made sure that we got down during Easter. And so uh, that was the one time I was always laced in suits, but that was the one time the suits were a little bit more flashy and the shoes would match. And, and, and we were, and, and then when my mom was really feeling froggy, uh, we were all dressed up in the same color scheme. And we would have, I remember uh, white suits and turquoise shirts with turquoise shoes. And if you know me, you know that's not me. But as growing up as a kid, that's how I got down. So each year, Easter would come and it will all be about the suits. Now, I know that this may come off as an Easter message, but I think before Easter comes, can we just prepare our hearts for what it really means? Uh, We got one week to get this thing right, because this is the week that we call Holy Week, Passion Week, and um, we are about to approach the greatest story ever told. We must be mindful that when we tell this story, it's not just a story. It's not just characters. It's not just a bedtime story. This story is not even a story. This is history on lock, out in the open. This is this week's preparation for telling the greatest moment in human history. Last year during this time, we celebrated Easter in exile. We couldn't meet as a church family. Everything was different. Now we stand in the celebration of Palm Sunday. Now, this disruption that happened last year um, may have caused some of us to appreciate and yearn the gathering But sometimes newness wears out. And it goes from I'm glad to be in the number one more time to I'm in the number. And then the the ability to gather um, was once taken for granted. It was disrupted. And now we appreciate the moments. I mean, now if you get a handshake from someone, you're doing well. 
Because most times it's just this, it's an air high five, and hugs are not as common as they used to be, but there's something happens when God disrupts things because it causes us to appreciate the normalcy that those things carried. I'm going somewhere. Because if familiarity doesn't breed contempt, it can breed carelessness. And so the more you do a thing, it may become second nature and becomes a routine. And as a result, may, it may result in things being less appreciated. Once careful, now careless. Once revered, now casual. Once sacred, now simple. Being familiar with something that is dangerous doesn't make it less dangerous. Fire still burns if you are a 20-year veteran of a firefighter or if you're a kid. Fire still burns. And so whether we honor uh, the next few days as holy or not doesn't make the next few days less holy. Whether we understand the reason that we are gathered doesn't make the reason that we're gathered less holy. I'm going somewhere. Because we must be careful not to reduce the meaning of this week to just a religious tradition. Or painted eggs. Or flashy suits. I mean, a white suit with a turquoise shirt with turquoise shoes. We got to reverence the moment. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, say, Pastor, I'm going to follow because you're going somewhere. Uh, way back in Genesis chapter 3, because of Adam's failure, remember the story, Adam and Eve, because of Adam's failure, sin enters into the world. And when that happens, the world without Christ uh, is without hope and without eternal life. We are lost. We're lost and wandering. And God asked each of us the same question that he asked the first man. Where are you? And if honest, our answer is that we are lost and without hope without Christ. The question can bring shame. And therefore, when it brings shame, we have, like Adam and Eve, a tendency to hide. In hiding, we may seek an alternative to satisfy us, to satisfy the craving. And we can never appreciate this week what this week means if we don't understand where we are. Sir, ma'am, where are you? Because ultimately, if we don't know where we are, we don't understand how we got here. But this isn't the first question recorded in the Bible. It's the second. The first question comes from Satan himself. Satan asked Eve, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The question was designed for Eve to question the character and nature of God. The father of lies deceived Eve, and Adam, although not deceived, was fully aware of what happened. And so now throughout biblical history, world history, the children of God was in rebellion against God. So before Christ, so were we. It's only when we truthfully answer that question, where are you, that we see the need that we have, the spiritual emptiness that we have 
without Christ. But a forever loving God constantly makes provision for his people. Although we're in rebellion, which leads to sin, he continually extends himself to his people. Sin is separation from God, and you constantly see this cycle of God delivering his people. From the taskmasters of Egypt to being exiled in Persia to captive in Babylon, the, 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 the temple, the, the, the house of worship being destroyed, building idols, you name it. The people of God continue to struggle with God, struggle with their sins. Sin is so exhausting. It corrupts. It's distortion. It destroys, and it plays out time and time again. God even names his children Israel, which means struggle with God, wrestle with God. We have a history of wrestling with God. It's an everyday struggle. Not my will, but your will be done. Should I do the right thing, or maybe I shouldn't? Should I turn the other cheek? Should I be a peacemaker? Should I be poor in spirit? But they keep winning, God. It's time for me to make a come up. It's an everyday struggle. And God recognizes it to the point that every time he says Israel, he's saying wrestle with God. So to deliver, so this is, this is the backdrop. This is the history of what's happening when Jesus is entering Jerusalem, that the people of God have a history with God, but there's always a struggle with God. And now no longer priests, no longer kings, no longer judges. Jesus says, I'll go. So Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And during this time, the people were occupied by Rome. And Jesus' arrival is right on time. That, that's why he's come, right? To deliver them from Rome. And so he, in their minds, is going to deliver the empire over to his people. And we are his people, so surely the empire is ours. Let's look at Scripture. scripture, scripture. Let's look at Scripture, John chapter 12. We're going to look at John chapter 12, but I also want to encourage you this week. I want you to read um, Matthew 21, Mark 11, June, um, Luke 19. They're all um, record this event. And so this is Jesus entering Jerusalem after three years of ministry and some mind-blowing miracles. Like the dead, man, the dead was raised a couple times. Like, the blind eyes were opened. I mean, he fed a lot of people with very little resources. Like, everybody left full type of stuff. That's, so the word is getting out. And days before he enters Jerusalem, um, the word is getting out. And um, the place that he, uh, I think it was Bethany, the place that he uh, rose, that he uh, brought Lazarus back to life was only a few miles away, maybe one or two miles. And so the word is getting out like, he's that dude. 
Like this is the one we've been waiting for. And so people begin whispering Jesus' name and the miracles happen. And, it's, and, and now it's this whole come and see. And they came to see Jesus and the miracles. And this is where John chapter 12, verse 12 opens. We're going to read several verses. John chapter 12, 12. The next day when the large crowd had come to the festival, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it's written in the Old Testament. You see the bridge, Old Testament, New Testament. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered the, that these things have been written about him and that, they had done the, and, and that they had done these things to him. Meanwhile, the crowd, which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you ain't accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from um, Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Highlighting verse number 25, the one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Message title, real simple, driven by eternity. Everybody say it, driven by eternity. Now the question is, what drives you? Do we see things in a kingdom lens? Do we see things eternally or do we see things temporarily? Our lives are often sidetracked by temporary things that have eternal implications. We make decisions every day, absence of an eternal mindset. Jesus is driven by eternity. So when the crowds come, they don't move him. When distractors come, they don't move him because he's driven by a call that's higher than this temporary stuff. Let me just, let me just explain this to you. Judas, we all know what's going to happen this week. We have the benefit of history. Judas um, was not only a thief, a liar, and a betrayer, he actually also was the treasurer. Now, you would think that he would be the least person that will hold the money. But because Jesus is driven by eternity, he can feed Judas and not blink. He can hand, 
He can hand Judas the money and not worry because he's driven by eternity. How many times that we are driven by money? We're driven by our emotions, driven by what we see. But Jesus, our example, is driven by a purpose higher than that low-hanging fruit. Jesus comes into Jerusalem knowing that the same folks that says hail, hail to the king will be in a few days, nail, nail that guy. That the whole from hail, H-I-L, to nail will actually transition in a matter of days. We can't stand people talking about us for doing wrong. Think about what I just said. We did wrong and they talk about us. Jesus knew no wrong and was betrayed. Jesus is our example. Hosanna, Hosanna, as Tiffany stole my message, uh, means save us. Deliver us. 88 times in the Old Testament, God saves his people. There's a handful of times where he saves individuals like David and the prophets. But the crowd on Palm Sunday gathers around and from their lips comes the cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But what they didn't realize and what we too miss is that they were exactly right. He did come to save us. But they thought he was going to save them in a particular way. How many times we are disappointed because we cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save me from my bad consequences. Save me from my bad choices. And he's like, no, I am driven by eternity. So you're going to reap what you sow. Because I'm eternal. I got eternal purpose. And so although we reap what we sow and we cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, he says, listen, I got your soul. And so if, ah, let me, let me not get ahead of myself. If you're watching online, I apologize. Jesus is being held as king. Jesus was God in the flesh. And what they were crying out was literal, was true. God was about to save them. But this is a little thing called Rome. And, and we've been occupied and although we have freedom to worship and freedom about blah, blah, we have no power. And Jesus responds to them, paraphrase in a sort of way, you don't need that. You don't need the endorsement from the empire. Because I come as a king. Okay. All right. All right. This is the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. So surely if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, surely he can overthrow Rome. I mean, if he can make the blind eyes open, if he can do all, if he can feed in a, almost a small nation with five loaves, if he can do all these things, surely he can be our king. Not in the afterlife, right now. So we're saying, Hosanna, save us from the empire. Save us from oppression. Save us from all these things. And Jesus is like, nah, bro, that's not why I came. I came for eternal purposes. Because you're going to find yourself, think about it, I started off with the history of the people of God. You're going to find yourself right back under an empire because once you get control, you don't know how to act. This is, this is 
This is what he's saying. Uh, Pastor Ramon, last week, he was talking about, the, about being real with God. And, and, and there's something happens when the people are desperate. And it, it, you, can't, you can't program desperation. When you're desperate for God, you cry out. You can't be silent. You can't be quiet. How many of us are desperate for God? Because I, I promise you, when we get real with God, we don't care who's around. Formalities go out the window. Our hearts cry, and we cannot be silenced. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the lepers. Lord, save us. Like that is what the cry of the people were. But unfortunately, it was misplaced. Save us. Save us now. Deliver us. Because their hope, their expectations are that Jesus would meet their needs. And one being the need to be delivered from Rome. You see that? We want our debts paid. We want oppression ended. We want unjust laws overturned. We want to, to, from, we want to be from pits of despair to the palace of prosperity. That's why we keep promising it. And Jesus says, man, I come from higher than that. I don't come for these temporary conditions. I come with an eternal purpose. I am driven by purpose. So if one is the devil who walks among us, that doesn't move me because I'm driven by purpose. Jesus is driven by eternity, not by flags. Jesus is driven by eternity, not by rulers or material possessions. But people saw Jesus as a means to an end. Wealth, riches, power. I mean, in, in, in college, I studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And there's five basic needs that everybody has. Food, clothing, water. Basic needs, safety needs. Everybody wants to feel safe, right? Um, everybody wants to have a sense of belonging, relationships. People have uh, the need to feel esteem, feelings of accomplishment. And the last, the higher need is what they call self-actualization. That's the fulfillment. And so when the people are asking God to save them and supply their needs, they go straight to the basics. I want to feel like I have purpose. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that becomes our singular focus, we miss the reason why Jesus came. There's Christians that are dying of hunger right now. Myanmar, like what's happening over Christians there that are getting slaughtered. And so if we just keep focusing on these basic needs, then what does it mean when someone doesn't have their basic needs met? Is God not still good? And so we, are, we have to be careful that we see things from an eternal lens. So the first point I want to make about Jesus being driven by eternity is, number one, he wasn't distracted by the applause. We do not add value to God when we praise his name. You're not doing God. We're not doing God any favors because we bless him. Us blessing him is more for us than it will ever be for him. 
because us blessing him reminds us of who he is. If God, if, if us blessing him, it's, it's, it's oh, magnify the Lord with me, doesn't mean that God is small. What we're saying is when we say magnify the Lord with me, let us see him larger than what I see around me. How in the world are we believers and can't praise his holy name? Man, I came distracted. I came discouraged. But when it comes time to worship the Lord God Almighty, all that stuff go away because I bless him, not because of my goodness. I bless him because of his. This is why Jesus, on being driven by eternity, is never distracted by applause. If Jesus is our example, if Jesus is our example, don't you be either. On, mo- on Monday, on Sunday, it's Hosanna, Hosanna. Round about Wednesday, crucify him. If you're moved by applause, then you will be moved when you don't have it. Jesus is driven, driven. It's, it's Passion Week. He's driven. By eternity. He's all about his father's business. Jesus wouldn't do anything less his father told him. Man, Jesus. 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 The second thing, Pharisees. So we talk about the people. We talk about the Pharisees. Yeah, I got to poke fun at you religious folks. So while the people are excited about what they believe Jesus would deliver them from, the priests weren't so happy. Verse number 19, then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you ain't accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. John chapter 11, verse 48, I think it's uh, John chapter 11, 48, 53, somewhere around there. Um, they plotted to have Jesus killed. But here's what Jesus does, which is crazy. He adds fuel to the fire. They already want you dead, and now you go into the temple, turn over tables. It's like, Jesus, you know you're provoking it, right? Like, you, you, know, you know it's about to be on, right? <laughs> like, okay, you already know they want to kill you. There are times, man, read your Bible. It's so encouraging. There are times when, when they were going to stone him, and he, he, he went away. He got away. But then remember in, verses, in, this verse, in this verse that we're reading, he says, so now is the hour. Ain't no running away from this. I'm going straight through the front door. There are times in your life you got to go through a window. Okay, so all you (laughs) who used to literally go through windows, that was figurative. There are times when you don't go through the front door. You find a way around, but there are times you just got to bust in the door. Why? Because number two, he, number one, was Jesus was not distracted by applause. Number two, he was not discouraged by attacks. Do you know how difficult it is to not be distracted by applause, but not be discouraged from the attacks? Jesus adds fuel to the fire. So instead of attacking the empire, who the Pharisees saw as the real enemy, he attacks the religious folks who know more scripture than a little bit, but don't have love. Boy, I've never, okay, soapbox. I've never seen in my lifetime 
folks that can quote more scriptures than Jesus himself, but have no love. Boy, everybody's an enemy. They send everybody to hell. Listen, you ain't got a heaven or a hell to put anybody. You better worry about your own soul self. <laughs> y'all, y'all, almost, y'all almost got me. So here you have two people. You have the Pharisees and you have the people. And both sets don't recognize who Jesus is. And whether it's misguided expectations from the people or blatant arrogance from the Pharisees, both prevent people, both, both prevent them from seeing who Jesus is and what he has, why he has come. They go from hell to nail, and the Pharisees are driven by the need for control. People are driven by earthly needs. But Jesus is not discouraged by the attacks. The third set of people that watch this day, this historical day, were the disciples, the followers. Now, surely, they hang out with Jesus both day and night. Chapter, I mean, verse number 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. What? You mean to tell me that we can walk with Jesus? We can be with him both day and night. We can pay tithes twice on Sunday and a little offering throughout the week. And we can lead Bible studies. And we can win people to him. We can stretch the miracles. I mean, we can, we can make a miracle. I mean, we can feed people. We can encourage people in the Lord and still not fully understand. What? Uh, the closest ones to Christ were confused. But I love Jesus because Jesus is not distracted by the applause. Jesus is not discouraged by the attacks. And Jesus... Is not, is not deterred by the committed, confused, the confused committed. So here he is doing all these things, Darcy, and they're watching him. They're watching his love. And then as soon as the kids want to come to Jesus, whoa, 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 Jesus is like, man, suffer little children, come on to me. What are you, what are you doing? As, as soon as the word gets out that someone else, that's not a part of their church, I'm sorry, a part of walking with Jesus, a, a part of their clique. And it's like, they're doing all these things in your name and they're not with us. Jesus said, what? If they're not against us, they're with us. And I got many more disciples than what you see. You ain't the only one that's doing the work. God, I wish that we could think kingdom, shameless plug. I wish that we would get to the point where we are moving beyond the four walls of the church because just because they don't worship like us, just because it's flat-footed and it's distinguished, that does not mean that they ain't called by God. Boy, the followers of Jesus cause more chaos than mm, even in their ignorance. Jesus decides to still use them. Ooh, thank God in my ignorance. Listen, I listened to some sermons when I first started preaching. Thank God <laughs> in my ignorance. Man, I said some wild stuff. Thank God 
in my ignorance. We got to be careful when we're walking with Jesus and pretend we know everything. Well, you ain't got the, you ain't got the answers, Sway. Sorry. You ain't got the answers. Sometimes, man, the book of Job, sometimes there's friends of people who are struggling. We just need to sit with them. Man, I have been beat, all of us. We have beat, been beaten so much by scriptures that it doesn't lead us to God. It leads us away. It's he sends his word to heal them. I'm not saying excusing sin. That's not what I'm saying, but it has to get to a point, people of God, that we speak truth in love. It's both truth and grace. Jesus aggravated the religious folks. He was kind to the sinner. If a person, hear me, sinner, one who sins, why are we shocked? They do what they are. But here's, remember, poor in spirit. Remember the merciful. Remember, blessed are they. We are too. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's so, like the moment, like the disciples. Can you imagine Jesus and all these people and Jesus' homeboys that are with him? And they walk in with them, and people are starting to know who they are. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because in a few days, ain't you with Jesus? Nah, I don't know you. I ain't know what you're talking about. Nah, you that dude with Jesus. No. So what happens as Jesus' popularity rises, so does his followers. Oh, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Because he said, if I be lifted up, he'll draw all men. But sometimes, because people that, that, that we shepherd hear the voice, it's our voices sound like God. Because in their weakness, what happens is they're revealed. Jesus is revealed. And then we become elevated in the person's eyes. No, 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 no. I'm just a, I'm just a voice. I'm pointing you back to him. I'm pointing you back to him. It ain't about Antoine. It ain't about. Got to be careful. Because crowds can mask. Just how committed you are. Yeah, you can blend into the crowd. Ooh, but it's a little thing called discipleship. See, the crowd leaves space to be hidden. Let us walk with you when you stump that toe. And let's see what really comes out. Yeah. We can, we can, we can lift our hands here. And we can, we can fake it till we make it. But when we walk beside you, we like, Lord, my God, do they even know him? (laughs) Because that's what happens. And we got to be real, people. We got to be real with each other. We got to be real with God. We don't make an excuse for sin. But we don't try to explain it. See, when I was a kid, no, 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 no. Sin still sin. So think about how committed the disciples are. And if you were asked them on that day, man, that's my dude. And a few days later in the Lord's Supper, wherever you go, we there. Hands down. Ain't it right, boys? And one of them like this, I got places to go. I got people to see. 
So we got to, so Jesus was not deterred by the confusion of the committed. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowd, the Pharisees, the followers. Verse number 20. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. Boy, everybody, everybody hearing about this Jesus. I mean, he's upsetting the Pharisees. The the crowds, up to this point, the people are excited. Disciples are treated like rock stars. The miracles that Jesus are creating has, has done, it's getting out. So the Greeks came to Philip. I like, the, I like this because Philip then went and told Andrew, and then Andrew told Philip, <laughs> and then went and told Jesus. It's like, yo, they got this hierarchy system already. It's like armor bearers. Another sp- we are unsure. We are unsure if they actually saw Jesus, but it's recorded here for a purpose, and it's not by accident. It's not misplaced. So if Jesus is not distracted by the applause, if Jesus is not um, discouraged by opposition or the attacks, and Jesus is not deterred by the confusion of the committed, Jesus didn't become more determined by the opportunity. Sometimes what we'll do when we see it working, we'll put everything in. But you're not faithful in the, in the, in the small times, the beginnings of um, the humble beginnings when the crowd's small. And so that means that you will preach stronger and harder when the crowd is full. And so Jesus is st- the crowd doesn't uh, distract him. And because the fulfillment of the scriptures, he's not more determined. He's always been determined. He is driven by eternity. So let me just break it down further for us. I'm going to be more faithful with the new job. No, you won't. You're not faithful with the old one. Okay. All right. Too close. Too close. So what, what, we, what we believe, if the situation is right, then I will be more faithful. But you are who you are every day. Jesus is driven by eternity. Jesus is driven by the purpose of the Father. So you know what Jesus does? He spends time with the lowly, and he spends time with the Nicodemuses. He does not change who he is based on the opportunity that it presents. James talks about the the spirit of partiality and how we give certain people the front row seat. How we hang around the distinguished. When we talk about excellence as if that's something that we can obtain. And so what we do is we put people in these categories and Jesus is not moved by opportunities. Because Jesus is steadfast and steady. That's why Jesus says in verse number 6 and 30, John chapter 6 verse 37, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. What? The former addict? The former addict? The current addict? He won't cast out. We do. We determine who you are just based on how you look. It's Bible. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks in the heart. And so we determine a person's position with God based on how they look. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, 
I will not cast out. I will not turn away. So what they didn't see and what no one saw or expected during this week of why Jesus came. God became king. The king becomes a servant. The servant becomes a sacrifice. The sacrifice becomes savior. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus comes through Jerusalem. Because see, Holy Week isn't about ritual or tradition or about continuity of a great story. It's about looking intently into what Jesus does so that we can understand God and ourselves. How can Jesus endure the cross? Because he's driven by eternity. How can Jesus endure the attacks that awaits and not become distracted by the applause of the people? Because he's driven by eternity. How can Jesus eat with sinners and be talked about? Feed those who would betray him. Because he is driven by eternity. How can Jesus embrace what appears, appears to be him losing? The cross. Can you imagine what the Pharisees saw? Will you imagine what the Roman soldiers said? If you, the son of God, get off. It's because he was driven by eternity. Here's what I want us to leave. I'm going to leave with this. Following Jesus is the only way to live eternally with God. But it's not always easy. So what he does, Jessica, what he does is he offers himself instead. So as we have real needs, y'all got real, we got real needs. We cannot dismiss the importance of seeing things through a kingdom lens with a heart driven to eternity. What Jesus values and what our culture values are rarely the same. And the reality of it is not everyone will choose the life that comes with following Jesus. Not everyone will. But this week is a week that starts off Hosanna, Hosanna. And then towards the middle, things change. And towards the end of the week, it's crucify him, crucify him. But thank God in heaven, that's not how the story ends. The reason why this is so relevant to us, because there's chapters in our lives that he's yet to write. There's chapters of our own lives he is yet to write. And so no matter where I am at the moment, I would that our hearts will be like the Greeks who were not, that were outside of the children of God. But Tony, they heard everything that Jesus was doing. And you remember how many people was gathered around Jesus? means they had to push their way in 
they had to go past the religious. They had to go past just those who were just, you know, sometimes everybody, sometimes people like a party. A crowd draws a certain response. And these Greeks found Philip. Philip found Andrew. Andrew found another Philip. And he found Jesus. So if you're here today and you feel like you're outside, I pray that your heart is what the Greeks were. I want to see Jesus. And again, we have the benefit of history. So I want you to stand up if you don't mind. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to push your way through the crowd. We have needs. Yes, we do. But Jesus is greater than your needs. Can you see the crowd around you? I just need for you to keep pushing your way through the crowd. Looking for anyone that can get you to Jesus. Keep pushing. And then finally, you find someone who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows Jesus. Real simple. I want to see Jesus. Beyond the eggs, beyond, we're, we're going to be praying this week, we're going to be fasting this week, you'll get instructions later. Beyond all these things, beyond the traditions, beyond the religiosity of the moment, the liturgical nature of the moment. Let's not miss Jesus. And what this, what this week means to the believer. A lot of things going on. There's some crazy stuff going on in the world. I mean, some crazy stuff. But let's not be distracted by the purpose while we gather, but just as important, how we see Jesus. That was Pastor Antoine with an encouraging message driven by eternity. Jesus is driven by eternity, not flags nor rulers, not even material possessions. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We again want to thank you to all of our new friends turned family to Think Kingdom. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube and Facebook. And every Sunday we are live on YouTube and Facebook at 1033. And if you'll head on over to Instagram and follow us under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, so much more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast. Podcast.